you that he is, belongs to you. Father, we thank you that he belongs to us, Father. We thank you for everything that he is and everything he does in Horizon, Lord. And as he speaks today, Father, I pray that it will be your word, your message, Lord. Give us hearts that are open to hear what it is you're going to say today. Father, give us openness to your Holy Spirit as he speaks. We pray that you bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I'd like to hide behind the idea that this is my first time, but I can't. You know, it's just the way it is. Okay, I need a little bit of help from somebody. Somebody's sensible, so that lets so many people out of it. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, let, let's pick someone who looks really useful. Yeah, Darren, come on, get over here. Could you hold that? Hold it near. Um, what we're going to do is, I just want to see how, how wide this room is, okay? And for the podcast, I've got a measuring tape. Pathetic, never mind. Um, right, you know what? That that measuring tape wasn't enough to measure from one side of the hall to another. And you know, you cannot measure how big God's love is. There is nothing in the world that can outdo God in His love. It is so big, so vast. There is not a measuring tape. Nothing you can use to see how great God's love is. And Jesus told three stories about this. Some guys called Pharisees had complained that Jesus was mixing with tax collectors, sinners, nasty, evil people. And uh, they really didn't like it. He wasn't, he wasn't just... Uh, eating and drinking and doing stuff like that with them. He, he was making friends with them. I mean, for goodness sake, you're not meant to do that, are you? And so Jesus told them three stories. And he told them a story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Now, in each of these, you've got these lost people. Mark's making a move, and it's quite scary, because I'm wondering what he's up to. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but being lost is something that I've felt during my life. There are moments when you feel lost, and sometimes you, you're lost without even realizing it. And there are three ways of being lost that are talked about here. You've got the lost sheep, and the, the sheep... I think has just gone astray accidentally. Doesn't really know where he's going. He's got himself in a bit of a mess. And, and the sheep probably wants to be found. Then you've got the coin, an inanimate object that doesn't care what happens to it. it it's lost, but doesn't know it. And there are people who are lost, and they, they don't know it. 
and they're not bothered about being found because you don't worry about being found if you don't know you're lost. And then there's the lost son. And that's all a bit different because the thing about the lost son is he gets himself lost on purpose. He deliberately goes astray. I'm going to read the three stories now. So you have to bear with it because it's a little bit of a long, long reading. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion and ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the elder son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. 
But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Not only are there different ways of being lost, there are different ways of being found as well. You see, I, I think, as I said before, I think the sheep probably wants to be found. He's cold, he's hungry, he's wondering where all his mates have gone. And uh, the shepherd comes looking for him, and I dare say he's listening to this sheep barring away and whatever. And uh, the sheep is pleased to be found in its own sheepish way. You know what I mean? The coin actually doesn't care too much because it's inanimate, but uh, certainly the lady is well pleased to have found it. And Jesus says of each of these two things, he uses these two, the lost sheep and the lost coin, to finish like this. There's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents, just remember that little phrase, over one sinner who repents, than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. That's how much Jesus loves us. He, he, he wants us. He wants you, in other words. Not just some amorphous load of people. He wants individuals. Each one of you, he cares about you. And in the lost coin, it finishes, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The interesting thing is, at the end of the story about the lost son, it doesn't say that. And as we look through it, you'll see there's one significant thing that we don't actually see, first of all, and that is that the son doesn't really seem to actually repent as such. But we'll come to that a bit later, okay? Because we have a God who comes looking for us where we are, and he knows where we are. And he loves us so much more than we could ever love him. And in this story, we're going to see a son who shows a distinct lack of, of grace. And we're going to see a picture of a God who has amazing, amazing grace. So, this son asks for his inheritance, and he goes off and wastes it. That's what it says, he wastes it. The enormity of this to the people who are listening is amazing, because for the Jewish people, your inheritance was incredibly important. If you read the Old Testament, you see that Keeping hold of your inheritance, whether it was land, possessions, people, was everything. And as they listened, they would have been horrified at this boy who goes off and wastes the whole lot. They would have been shocked at it. But that's a minor part of the story, because what happens next is he begins to be in need. There's a famine in the, in the place, and he's starving out in the fields. And he's feeding the pigs. Now, he's Jewish. Working with pigs is actually against their law. 
and he really doesn't want to be doing He is unclean ritually, and he's probably pretty unclean physically as well. Smelly and horrible. Now, bear in mind, he's been out there really living it up, probably nice posh clothes, living in a really nice place. He's lived at the heights, and now he's about as low as he could get. And then it says, when he's looking at the pig's food and thinking, do you know what, that looks really good. I wouldn't mind some of that. When he's got that low, it says he came to his senses. Now, here's an interesting thing. I don't think he came to his senses thinking this. Oh, I've really let my father down. He must be so missing me. I've been a terrible person. Oh, I just wish I hadn't have done that. I, I ought to go home now and look after my dad and care for him. And, and oh, he'll be so pleased to see me back, maybe. I don't know. I've let him down. He doesn't say that. That's, that, that doesn't appear to be his motivation at all in this. What he actually says is this. Um, if I was at home, I'd be, if I was a servant, I'd be better off than this. My servants have got more than this. Uh, they've, got st- they've got really good food and more. Uh, I'm, I'm here starving. I, I hate this. I tell you what, how can I work it so I can get off home? I know I'll go home and I'll tell my dad I'm not worthy and I'll, I can be a servant. His motivation is purely that he wants food, he wants comfort, he wants to be out of where he is now. He hasn't said anything about his father. Do you know how... Gracious God is where he meets us. I wonder, I wonder just how, just how we are sometimes. Listen to what it says here. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We can be so ungracious sometimes. We can go through a day where we don't think about Jesus until we need him. Is that true? You know? We, uh, <laughs> we talk about God's love, but we don't really live in it like we could do. We, we're doing all sorts of stuff in our lives, and we kind of forget him. Well, I, I hold my hand up to that. And yet God in his grace meets me. Every day if I every day he's there. He he never goes away from me, but there are moments when I I go away from him. How often our ungraciousness is met by God's grace. And this is such a picture of it. This, this young man only wants to go back. When he comes to his senses, it's in a very worldly senses kind of way. It's do you know what I've figured out it would be much better off. I'd be much better off if I was at home as a servant rather than here feeding these pigs. And that was it. And do you know what? Jesus didn't say, I don't believe Jesus put this in for nothing. What he's saying is, God can meet you where you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. 
And it doesn't matter always what your motivation is. He's that gracious. He's that amazingly gracious, you know? When, when I became a Christian, I, I, was, uh, I wasn't looking for God. What I didn't realize is he was looking for me. And God, God is there waiting for you. So he's got his story ready, hasn't he? He works out this story that he's going to go, and uh, he's got his speech ready. I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants, and may I have lots of food as well and lodging. And uh, so he got up and went to his father. How good of him. And then we get the next bit, which is, I know it's a classic thing, and we always, you've probably heard this before, but it, it's so true, isn't it? While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And, and I loved that. I loved the fact that the, after all that he had done, all the son had done, and there were probably little reports coming back to his dad. After all, his brother knew that he'd wasted his money on prostitutes, if you remember from the story. There were probably some pretty vicious tales coming back. Because this father would want to know what was happening to his son, wouldn't he? He's that sort of father. If he's out there keeping a lookout for him. And, uh, but he's still there. It doesn't matter what he's heard about him. He loves his son. His love is more than anything his son could do. You cannot out-sin what God how much God loves you. Do, do you realize that? Don't, don't go out and prove it. I'm not asking you to do that. What I'm saying is, no, Mark, don't. What, I, what I'm saying is this. There is nothing that you've done that will surprise God. There is nothing you've done that God can't forgive. And more than that, he loves you. He loves you. There's nothing you can do that can stop his love while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. He was looking for him. God's looking for us. He's looking out for us every day. Not just those who are, who are lost and who haven't ever come to him. I'm not sure there's anyone in that position here this morning as I look around. But each one of us can be lost at different moments in our lives. And God is there waiting to help us. And even though we sometimes turn to him as the very last resort, and who hasn't done that before? He is still ready. He's still waiting and looking for us. And he was filled with compassion when he sees his son. Instead of resentment, instead of being angry, instead of being cross with him, you know, you have wasted your inheritance. I've heard of some of the stuff you've been doing. None of that. Compassion, compassion means a concern coming from love that looks to the well-being of someone in trouble. That's God. Out of God's love, because God is love, it says in the first letter of John. God is love. Out of that, God sees us and he has compassion for us. He has a concern for each one of us. He wants our well-being. 
He, he loves us and cares for us so much, whatever we've done. And here's a brilliant picture. He runs to his son, throws his arms around him, and kissed him. This is total acceptance. I mean, I'd be fairly worried if somebody apart from maybe Lottie or, or Lainey came and ran at me and flung their arms around me and kissed me, although Alan's tried it a few times, um, without the running bit, I might add. Um, kiss of brotherly love. Um, but, you know, the, you've got to imagine how the total acceptance. Can you picture that in your mind now? This is not just a grudging acceptance. This is a total, loving, unconditional acceptance of his son, despite all that he's done. That's a real picture of how big God's love is. It's, you know, I'm here talking about God's love. It's, it, Mark said earlier on, um, when we were talking about before, how, how simple it is just to say God loves us and that his love is massive. And, and I, I feel almost inadequate to tell you how big God's love is. I can only just plead with you to picture a, a, a father, probably with tears in his eyes, running up to this young man, flinging his arms around him. He was probably smelly. I mean, he's probably not had much chance to get to, to freshen up, you know. Uh, he hasn't been staying, you know... He hasn't been standing at the Premier Inn or something like that, you know. See my level. Uh, but unconditional and kisses him. And, oh, and, and the son begins the speech. You know, there's one of my favorite verses. It says this, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. See, God holds nothing back. Just like the Father held nothing back, God held nothing back. He didn't even hold his son back. While we were sinners, Jesus died for us. Before we cared, before we knew, a God who holds nothing back. And that's, that's in the first letter of John. And John goes on to say this. He goes on to say, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God loves us so much that he's held nothing back. He's given us Jesus. And there's a real picture of that love with Jesus' arms stretched out on the cross for each one of you. For each one of you. That's how much he loves you. And then the father, as, as the speech begins, the, the father's not interested in, in what his son's got to say, all this stuff about, you know, I've sinned against him. The father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe. Put a ring on his finger. Get everything ready. We're going to have a party. I just want to say one thing here that I think is really brilliant and significant. The father says, put a ring on his finger. Do you remember the story, I don't know if, if you remember the story of Joseph, when the Pharaoh 
wants to put him in a special position so that people will do what he says. He gives him his ring. You see, when you give someone a ring, it puts them in a special position. The father was giving him back his place, his inheritance. That's how big it was. Sometimes we might feel we've lost our place with God sometimes. You know, God wants to put us back in that place. He wants us to get everything out of our inheritance. He gives his son the ring. That ring now means that he has the right to, you know, tell the servants what to do, to do, you know, all, all the different things that he would have done before, he can now do again. He's got a special robe, the best robe. I kind of know why the brother, his brother, began to get a little bit uppity. This is the best robe. But uh, it shows the utter and complete love of God, that he doesn't, our God isn't a half-hearted God, he doesn't, he doesn't show a bit of love, his love is just amazing, he is ready to give us everything when we come to him. I just think it's an amazing grace, incredible love, as this young man is restored, accepted, restored, amazing. But you know what? The trouble is there's always something, isn't there? There's always something. And something in this case is the elder brother. The elder brother comes up and, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's not happy because there's this big party coming on. He's, he's come in from the fields. He's been working. And we actually get a few classic things happening here. And I don't, it's a bit of a challenge, and, and maybe you'll think, I'm, I'm not getting anyone here. But uh, the, the older brother comes on, and he says this. He says, all these years, I've been slaving for you. Do you know what? How many times have you maybe said, I've been doing all of that, and no one's taken any notice of me? Am I the only one around here who does this? You've no idea what I do for you. Moan, grumble, whine, whine. No, I, no pointing fingers over there. No pointing fingers. Yeah, we, we, this is a classic, isn't it? The martyr, you know. I've been slaving. I've, I've, been, I've been doing all of that. And what have I got out of it? Isn't that, Yeah. It's a bit scary, isn't it? I've been doing all that, and what have I got out of it? Because that's what he's saying. I, I, I haven't messed up. He's messed up. I haven't messed up. And, 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 and you never gave me even. Oh, dear. Here we go. You never, do, you never gave me anything. Oh. We can be whingy, can't we? Do you know what the father's answer was? Everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. Well, he probably never actually asked for it. He was so busy trying to maybe score a few points. My brother's out there being a bad guy. Aren't I a good guy? I've, I'm, I'm, I'm slave. Look at me, slaving in the field. Aren't I wonderful? 
I think God says this to us. Everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. Don't whine. Maybe what I've given him is for him. I've got something else for you. If you ask for it, if you come to me for it, I love you. That, that's, what the, that's what he says. The, the father says, you are always with me. You're always with me. Everything I have is yours. What, what's the problem? But we do have a problem sometimes. Because we don't recognize what God's got for us. We don't ask for it. We don't get maybe close enough to him. How close did that son, I don't know, it's just a hypothetical question, it's just a story here, but, you know, if we walk close to God, we'll know how much he's got for us. If we meet up with him every day and talk with him every day, then we'll be able to say, look, I've got some mates coming round. Do you reckon I could have a goat for them? Because <laughs> he's saying, you didn't even give me a goat. And I'm saying that God wants to give you everything. If you listen out and you, you realize how much he loves you. Because the response that the father gives is this. This brother of yours was lost and is found. It's almost like a challenge to, to the, uh, the brother who's moaning. This is your brother. This is your brother. Aren't you pleased that he's come back? Remember the comment that Jesus was responding to. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Do you know, I think that's about the best thing that I've ever heard in my life. Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. I'm so glad about that because I'm, I'm one of those. I don't know about you. I'm glad that Jesus welcomes me and eats with me. Because that's what he does. Um, I've got another little picture here. I think this could go badly wrong. Um, Thank you, my lovely assistant. Very nice. Could you just... You should make a few flourishes. Don't, don't, don't go away. Don't go away. Don't go away. Wonderful. Are there times when we think God's love is just for our sort of people? That's what the Pharisees were talking about here, wasn't it? You know, basically the Pharisees are saying, we're the good guys. Are we some, do we sometimes judge people who walk through these doors? Are there sometimes restrictions on who we, we are ready to love? Because if God's love is in us, that love should go to other people as well. Do we decide who God loves and doesn't love? That th it happens in churches, sadly, doesn't it? <laughs> it could happen here. For goodness sake, don't... Don't think it couldn't. I always remember the story, uh, apparently, as a in a Sunday school lesson. You know, there's the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector who go and uh, 
who, who go to the synagogue and they're praying and the, and the Pharisee says, you know, how wonderful he is and all the rest of it. And the tax collector says, you know, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, um, you know, which one, you know, goes home justified? It's the tax collector. And the Sunday school teacher who told the story said, now let's thank God that we're not like that Pharisee, you know? It's easy for us to think that it would never be us. Until someone walks in the room, smells a bit, and sits next to you. Yeah? And maybe coughs a little bit, and doesn't act the way we would like him to act. Okay? I, I didn't actually know there was a special way of acting when you come to church. Yeah? A special way of behaving? Maybe there is. Actually, there is, isn't there? Let's be honest. We all come and sit nicely. And there's Dave's here, of course, but then he, he's not. Right. You know, some people want to restrict God. You know? So... And that's not what's meant to happen. We're not meant to say what God can or can't do, who he can touch and can't touch. And sometimes we keep God's love to ourselves. We come to church. We enjoy what God's got. We love the worship. But it stays. stays with us. Or with our special people. But... God's love isn't meant to be constrained. It's not meant to be held in. God's love was always meant to be shared with everyone. If I get the, if I get the verse right, for God so loved the world. That's right. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So I don't know about you, but I actually don't have the right to decide who God's love goes to. We have the most amazing, wonderful God. And... I want to finish just by saying, a kind of summing up, God's love can't be measured. God's love can't be contained. God's love can't be deserved. It can't be earned. It just comes because he is love. It can never be beaten. And that's a great thing. Because for some of us, maybe we don't realize how great God's love is. So I'm going to finish with this quote. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I think that's better than everything I've said because it's how much God loves us and how much God loves you as individuals. So look forward to him running to you, wrapping his arms around you and giving you a kiss because that's what he wants to do every day. Father God, thank you for the immense love that you have for us. Thank you that there is nothing we can do or anyone else can do that can separate us from that love. Thank you so much. And thank you, Father, that this love is not restricted to any group, any church, but is for everyone. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen.